Hi, and welcome to Second Rate Film School. I'm Andrew Loss. I'm Jake Plumeri. And I'm Jacob McAuliffe. And today, I think we are watching easily the worst movie we've reviewed so far, um, Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Well, I'm just glad you didn't say Spider-Man 3. Well, that's the thing. Like, we've done really good movies, and Spider-Man 3, prior to this, was the least best one, and that, when you listen to our commentary, we still enjoy it. This is just, like, a dumpster fire. I'm sorry. We actually have to stop the commentary now and start from the beginning due to the blasphemy that Loss just uttered. Well, there we go. Um, either way, we're in for a ride. Yeah, we're, we're jumping right in here. Like, the bafflingness begins right off the bat with this movie. The animation style, that's not similar to either the video game or the hit cartoon show. It's like, we want to give, like, an intro to, like, talk about, like, give some context to this movie, but we're already in to, like, the parts that need deep discussion. <laughs> like, this, this, like, opening that was clearly thrown in at, like, the last second because nobody was, could understand what was happening in the movie. Because all this exposition that we get here is explained throughout the rest of the movie again. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's very weird, and I, I'm pretty sure this isn't even Bob Hoskins. It sounds like an actor they hired, like they could not get Bob Hoskins, and as we'll get into why he would not want to come back to this movie, um, do ADR. And, and then, like, the animation yeah. looks, like, roughly at the level of, like, Charlie the Unicorn. <laughs> and then this is the real opening of the movie. This opening reminds me of uh, the opening to John Carter, with the opening of Exposition, and then this... It's kind of opening stinger here. You know what else? What? Green Lantern does oh. the same thing. Okay, but to be fair, John Carter... Well, okay, I'm not saying it does it better, but John Carter is a much better movie. I think yeah. John Carter actually does do it better, because it feels more intentional with John Carter, whereas here it's very slapped on. Well, yeah, with John Carter's problems, but just more... Uh, I think opening the scene the wrong way. But that's for a different time. We're, we're watching the Mario Brothers movie. We have priorities. Jake yeah. is desperate to turn the conversation to any other movie right now. Last <laughs> well, thing, um, me and Jacob have seen this movie before. Um, we're actually watching, this was one of the first DVDs I ever bought. It was at like our local grocery store for like seven bucks back when DVDs were expensive. So you, they knew how bad this movie was to market that low. But Jake had never seen this until a couple weeks ago when we were prepping for this. And do you want to tell your initial opinion of it? Yeah, well, I was really invested in the movie until I fell asleep in the last 30 minutes, so going in fresh, yeah. I don't know, did we want to keep that a secret? or? No, I think that's that sums it up. Perfectly. Okay, so if you hear me silent for the last 30 minutes, it's either me watching or it's me having left the room. <laughs> so this is actually probably a good point to start off where... This is sort of an interesting opening scene where it's like this egg with the human baby. And then you sit back and you're like, but what does this have to do with Super Mario Brothers? Well, there's eggs in the um, game. Granted, that gives birth to Yoshi, but why not a baby too? When I think Super Mario Brothers, I think running through dark, moody, atmospheric <laughs> city streets while Dennis Hopper in a dictator <laughs> uniform like murders you. Yeah. Wait, is that the same actor who plays Daisy? Yeah. Playing the mother? Okay. It's yeah. very weird that they do that. I mean, I. doesn't matter. Now, I feel like this should be the same church from the Schwarzenegger movie, End of Days, like the <laughs> Doomsday Cult. 
it, it really gave me uh, end of days vibes the opening of this movie with the baby being born and like the weird ritual here so is Dennis Hopper the equivalent of uh, Gabriel Byrne in that film or is just the devil up to hijinks Dennis Hopper had not worked his career up to Gabriel Byrne levels at this point <laughs> in the 90s Brooklyn now aka 1993 so this came out in 93 yeah and Ed Solomon, apparently. Oh, sorry. sorry. I was to say, yeah. And this movie actually just got recently like a deluxe anniversary edition, like in a steel bookcase and everything. So it's oh, Jesus going up. Well, Ed Solomon apparently, I guess, was credited as like the final draft writer of the script, although that can always be a little dubious when it comes to that. But he also wrote Men in Black, the Bill and Ted movies, much better movies. It kind of goes to show that these guys kind of get the short end of the stick, and they can't entirely be blamed on the quality of the film because it's just like a work for hire job, and it's. Not entirely set within their control. It's very much a legal precedent over who gets credit on these movies. Especially with this where it was being rewritten on the set every day reportedly. Yeah, I want to say that he came out of it well because he's making money off of it from the residuals. But I don't know how much residuals he's making from this. He still said, I read in an interview, that he's still proud of this movie. That um... Ed Solomon? Yeah, he's like, I, I'm not defending it as a good movie, but it's like, you know, it's got a dedicated fan base, it's a cult status, he's like, I think we did something very interesting, maybe not very good, mm-hmm. but... Are you thinking of John Leguizamo? Um, I read, like, the clip attributed to him, Solomon, but... Oh, so they both said it, because John Leguizamo said a similar thing, too. Okay. Maybe I'm misremembering. So there's, like, a secret apologist club for this movie. Interesting. Ed Solomon's a nice guy, too. I met him at the Austin Film Festival. He's a oh, great. Yeah, yeah no. Tell he, us more. No, he's he's a great writer. I mean, when you really see him uh, in action as, as like a writer and everything, talking about story, he, he knows his stuff. Now, while um, we have had a few people who are apologists for this movie, it should be noted um, Bob Hoskins especially hated this movie, but. We'll get, uh, we'll get in through it. Uh, I'll sprinkle these tidbits about this was Bob Hoskins' personal hell um, as we go through. Who, who had it worse, Lon Chaney Jr. on The Wolfman or, or Bob Hoskins making this Well, movie? they didn't encase Bob Hoskins in cement as far as we know in this movie. They were probably one step away. But um, Dennis Hopper described the film's production as, It was a nightmare. Very honestly, that movie. It was a husband and wife directing team who were both control freaks and wouldn't talk to anyone before they made decisions. Anyway, I was supposed to go. Da- it was supposed to go down for five weeks, and I was there for seventeen weeks. It was so over budget. After his son saw the movie, he said, said to him, "Dad, why would you have been in a movie like this? This was terrible." And he's like, "Well, you know, I did this for you. I did this so I could make money to buy you shoes." And his son just quipped back at him, "I didn't need the shoes that bad, Dad." So very, um, very sarcastic children of these stars, I guess. I don't know if sarcastic. I think it's just common sense. <laughs> I think it's just son having a hard tart with his dad. I think he was only like six when he said that, too, according to Dennis Hopper. Um, I, one of my favorite things I've read about this was an interview that Bob Hoskins did with The Guardian, where they were just doing a career retrospective with him. And there's one part where they ask him, what's the worst job you've ever done? And he just replied, Super Mario Brothers. Then they asked what has been your biggest disappointment? And he just replied, Super Mario Brothers. And then they said, if you could edit your past, what would you change? And he said, I would not have done Super Mario Brothers. And that was the extent to which it was discussed. Yeah, well, this movie tortured him. 
Alright, so now we're meeting um, grown-up Daisy, the baby born out of the egg a few minutes ago. And I suppose now is as good of time as any to discuss how it's very weird how it's Daisy and not Princess Peach slash Toadstool, um, the primary princess you rescue throughout the games, because at this point she had only been in two games. She was in Super Mario Land and then... Super Mario Golf, I believe. It was, like, one of the Game Boy games, and she was just in the background as Luigi's caddy. She wasn't even, like, a playable character. You don't rescue her or anything. So it's very interesting. Um, we had discussed, possibly, because they wanted to give a love interest to Luigi instead of to Mario, but at that point, she wasn't even canonically his girlfriend yet, so it's a very baffling choice. It almost feels like, like a mistake they might have made her. This is, this is a weird thing with this movie, where it's almost more interesting to discuss like how it came to be versus what it actually is because it's like you're watching this and it's like uh it's it reminds me a lot of like blade runner it's like a very edgy dark movie it mostly takes place in like an urban setting it's like trying to do like almost like a batman 89 thing apparently the directors have cited that as like a source of inspiration but it's based on super mario brothers um, so you really you sit there and you're like what were they thinking and was it think, a thing where the directors just had no interest in the source material and didn't want to do something closer and had their own sort of vision for what they wanted to do and kind of forced it on this arbitrary project I mean it definitely is interesting and like how little people knew I mean obviously this is the first movie based on a video game so like you know we're in new territory already but um, also interesting though is they didn't explain this very well to a lot of the cast and crew. Like, they were, like, partway through filming before Bob Hoskins realized this was, like, a video game, based on a video game. He just thought he was making some weird adventure film, and I, like, heard, supposedly, he just, like, went home, saw his kid playing games, like, oh, what are you playing? He's like, Super Mario Brothers. Like, what, they made the game already? (laughs) This isn't anything like the movie. This is the worst movie tie-in game ever. Imagine, by the way, a movie tie-in game for this movie, like, how weird that would be. Would it be, like, a Mario, like, normal Mario game, but you're, like, instead of going through the Mushroom Kingdom, you're going through, like, this weird dystopian, like, Blade Runner city or something? Yeah, potentially, and then, you know, just nothing from the game. I mean, that is funny, um, jumping a little to a different movie, but they did Street Fighter based off the video game, and they did a movie, movie, and then they did a game version of the movie. So it's like, yeah, it's a, you know, snake eating its own tail type thing. At least with that, as far as I can tell, they didn't change too much about the game. They just changed, like, the visual, like, Mortal Kombat, like, where they just recorded actual actors. I never saw the Street Fighter movie. Was that the one that had uh, Raul Julia in it? Yes. Gotcha. And John claude Van Damme. Hmm. I've seen, like, the YouTube clips of Raul Julia and... I actually really like him in that movie. That's all I know about it, though. So that was like what his last movie or one of his last. I believe he might have been dying of stomach cancer at the time. Yeah. And like, it's easy to make fun of, but actually, I think it's from what I've seen, just out of context clips. He's, you know, he gets the material. He's very broad and over the top, and I still remember it. Yeah. Well, he did that too, um, like as a tribute for his kids, because like, you know, at the time he hadn't done any really like I guess the closest would have been the Adam Sandler movies but like his kids were super super young I guess so he's like I want to leave something for my kids and like they loved the game so you know it was almost like a love letter to his kids so give him credit he's a great actor 
Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he wasn't just like Bob Hoskins or John Leguizamo's just showing up the set getting shit-faced. <laughs> I assume the production of Street Fighter wasn't quite the fiasco that this film was. No, they had learned probably by the, now. Uh, we briefly talked over it, um, but one of the many, many injuries we will get into that happened to Bob Hoskins <laughs> had just happened when John Leguizamo slams the van door in the previous scene. Apparently, one take, he slammed Bob Hoskins' hand in the door, breaking a finger. So, um, every now and then, if you look at his one hand, I don't know, it doesn't say which, you can see a cast on his hand. Oh Isn't it painted over or something? Yeah, it's like a flesh-colored cast. Like, yeah. they tried, like, really... I'm going to go on and say it's the right arm, because as soon as he got out of the van, he put his arm behind his back. <laughs> he looks like he's in pain. He's trying to conceal it. Didn't John Leguizamo, like, get injured? Like, did he, like, break his leg or something? I thought he got hit by a car. Yeah, that's hey, what I by, heard. By one of the directors? By car, yeah. Possibly by one of the directors, yeah. <laughs> Again, and say it's the right arm, because he has it under his sleeve there. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to get into the long list of injuries and almost deaths. Yeah, when you listen to everything that happened to Bob Hoskins on this set, it, it's, it reads out like the list of like what they did to Rasputin to try and kill him. He was shot, stabbed, poisoned, bludgeoned, and drowned. I think Bob... You think Bob Hoskins is really drunk in this scene? I'd like to think so. Because there's a, there's a face that he makes coming up that I like to point to. That makes me smile each time. You mean all one time you've seen it? No, smile each time that I think about it oh, since huh. I've seen it. Is that, so is that Princess Peach? It should be. Maybe if we got the sequel that they never got to make, it would have been revealed. Doesn't he still have the English accent too, Bob Hoskins, in this movie? No, he's doing an American accent. Oh, okay. He's doing like a Brooklyn accent. He, he might slip every now and then because you know, he didn't give a shit. Yeah, that was Bob Hoskins' face when he realized that filming was being expanded for five weeks. <laughs> and just think, also, that was Bob or, uh, Dennis Hopper was only supposed to be there for five weeks and then extended to 17 weeks, and he's not that much in the movie. Oh, here's the um, vaguely incestuous implication of Mario. He's my brother, my father, my uncle, and my mother. That's fine. I guess they're going for, like, more complex relationship where Mario sort of like raised him. Uh, that's just a lot of fun to make fun of, honestly. Yeah, I prefer my implications and interpretation. Yeah, and there, there's actual ideas in this movie. When you actually read the behind the scenes, the, the filmmakers did have a vision. They did. They knew what they wanted. It just, and I could see in some sense where that it, almost like a Josh Trank Fantastic Four type thing, where even though it's pretty misguided and wrongheaded, there is like a vision there. It just horribly executed. You know what's very interesting? I think one of the most insightful things I've heard about this film was from Shigeru Miyamoto, who was the original creator of Mario. And I anticipated when I was going to read his comments on this movie that he would just hate it because it's not similar to the games. But he actually said something very interesting where he said, I liked the movie for what it was. I just wish that they hadn't felt as, you know, felt like they needed to be so close to the video games and just gone and done their own thing. And I think that's actually a very interesting point where, for the most part, the vision behind this movie seems to be a dark Batman, Blade Runner-esque sort of world, like this dystopian sci-fi fantasy world. Like, that's kind of 
what sort of story they're trying to tell, but they keep adding in elements from these very lighthearted games that clash wildly with the dark elements that they want to be the center of the movie. Like when they get in the city, you see it says like, um, there's like a thwomp business that's called like thwomp, which is named after a Mario villain. There's like characters like the bob that appears later that are horribly out of place. Yeah, Big Bertha. And basically what Miyamoto was saying was that he they should have just ignored all the game stuff and just done their own thing because the two horribly clash with one another. And I, I think that's insightful and also admirable that he could distance himself from a creation that's probably very close to him to make that kind of observation. Yeah. That is interesting. I'm outside of that, though. If they did disregard all those things, why even call it a Super Mario Brothers movie, though? And that's the contradiction yeah. here. Because it's like the best version of this movie would have nothing to do with Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I would not be, want to be the one to try and make this work in 1993. I mean, again, it could have... If it worked, it could, I mean, it probably could have been good for what it was. It, it, in the very least, it could have been very interesting. Oh, by the way, isn't this where the graveyard from Gangs in New York is supposed to be? Wait, what? Yeah, at the end of Gangs in New York, they're like at the they're at this like angle, like it's a fake graveyard, but I like think these two are in the same universe, so they just like it, shortly before this, this is because the Scapelli brothers came by and bulldozed down the graveyard containing you know Billy the Butcher and um, oh with, um, Leo's father. So maybe Scorsese saw this as inspiration. He's like, that's, that's going to be my last shot of my next picture. Yes. Now, every time growing up... With can, you the... imagine Scorsese, sorry, can you imagine Scorsese watching this? Uh, the kids with their computer games. Ooh, Super Mario Brothers. My granddaughter likes it. <laughs> um, with this scene here, when she's like going on the skeleton, how beautiful it is, I always interpreted that this was supposed to be her mother's skeleton from, like, earlier in the movie, like, when she gets killed. Because, you know, they go to um, their right later on, and that leads them to the portal where Koopa came from. So that's clearly um, towards the portal. So I was just interpreting it was her body, but does that mean the writers either don't know or don't care how fossils work? Because she wouldn't be a fossil after 20 years. What did What did it look like? I... It look it just like looks like a, a human skeleton. It had it like had a definitive dinosaur head, but it had like opposable thumbs. And she's like describing how beautiful it is, and it's like her connection. And that's like I guess you read it as her like interpretation. Uh, like the interpretation is she just is having some level of connection to um, her roots. But even then, it doesn't make sense because spoilers. If we get into it, uh, her father is the fungus around the kingdom, so they never specifically say if she's like a dinosaur or like. Maybe her mom was a dinosaur, so she's half dinosaur, half fungus. So I, I don't know what they were trying to imply with it. I think the implication of the fungus was that that's like the ultimate de-evolved form of all the dinosaurs. Because it's like, they're humans that evolved from dinosaurs, but the dinosaurs evolved basically from very simple fungus. And their punishment to the king, or their way of torturing him, was to turn him into like a fungus like that. Okay, well then, potentially. Either way, it doesn't really make sense with the mom's skeleton that she's just, like, looking at either a fossil that shouldn't exist or is so stupid she's looking at just a skeleton and from, like, 20 years ago. I was like, this is a fossil. Well, I hope you're right about it being the mother because as soon as she sees it, Luigi starts to proposition her over the skeleton. <laughs> well, wait, can we just... Okay, 
as someone who has not seen the last 30 minutes of this movie, has, do the Scapelli brothers come back? Is yes. that paid off at all? Okay. They do. Although a lot was cut from the opening involving the Scapelli brothers. Yes. Yeah. But they do come back at the end. They're so strange. Is that like... Is that like... I guess that's... I guess that's their, their rival, like their, their, their equivalent. I just love how they're also Ita- Italian. That's like their, their doppelgangers or something. I'm just glad they didn't try and make them like Wario or something like that. Oh, God. Well, they hadn't been created yet, I think, at that point. Wario was in Super Mario Land 2. Had that come out at this point? I don't... It... I know Super Mario World... Uh, or uh, Super Mario World had... Or... Super Mario Land 2 was the one that had Wario. Yeah, sorry. Super Mario Land had come out in... Um... 1990, that's where, um, Peach, uh, Jesus, where Daisy was, um, introduced, but I don't know, let me look it up. I don't know how quickly, um, they were putting these things out at the time. I take it that means we're probably not gonna, probably no chance of Waluigi being in this either. Nope, 1992, so, um, Land 2 had come out. Oh. Well, Wario was a relatively new character at that point, I suppose, so they couldn't, they couldn't try and ruin him by adding him. Yeah, while Luigi didn't appear till uh, Mario Tennis in 2000. The great enigma of the Mario franchise, while Luigi. <laughs> you could have made 10 of these movies. Not of this, for sure, but I mean, just many Mario movies were, because it's, it's so dense. I like how they haven't even tried. Like, they're not, they weren't like, let's consider this one a fluke and try again. They're like, no, we're, we're done. Well, they, they're developing one now, apparently. They're developing like an animated Mario film, yeah. which that could work. I mean, we all made fun of the '80s and early '90s um, series, like Captain Lou Obano, and then they had like a Super Mario World one, a Super uh, Mario Three um, show, and like they're all just like very weird. But you could do a uh, very interesting um, movie with them. In fact, um, Nintendo Power had a like monthly. Um, comic for I don't know how many issues it went through of like a Super Mario like overarching storyline that a lot of people love very much and like you know it's been adapted numerous times like people made motion comics for it and all that so it's like you could do a overarching story with these characters and have people like it um you know what the problem is if you try and do like a CGI animated version of a popular video game is if you're too close to the source material, it ends up just looking like a cutscene from the game. Yeah. But here's Bob Hoskins falling okay. into hell. This no. is like one of my favorite shots in the movie. <laughs> Bob Hoskins comically superimposed over this like weird portal thing. This wasn't a scene. They actually extrapolated this from like his nightmares that he had <laughs> while he was making this movie. This is yeah, that was every night he dreamt about that. Reminds me of Squidward when he's falling through. Remember? Oh, yeah. Remember was. SpongeBob when Davy Jones took him away? He's falling through hell. I just expect to see John Leguizamo's face in like that frozen portrait picture, like when SpongeBob and Patrick were looking at him. <laughs> I gotta say, this is a great set, though. It is. I mean, this this was the time when they actually. And I think it, a lot of it's owed to the first Batman movie where they started making these huge elaborate sets. There's certainly a lot of Batman 1989 inspiration here. Yeah. Which is exactly what you think of when you think of Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> exactly. 
But you know, you know, there's the thwomp business you were talking about. Yeah, stuff like that. You just ultimately, even if it's not like the game, you know, Bullet Bill, you want it to work on its own. Sadly, this doesn't do that. Now we should mention because we're seeing them through the chasings and all that. Um, the two henchmen in this one is Fisher Stevens, and the other one I'm blanking, but he um, was one of the um, car attendant guys in Ferris Bueller. You know, they have a lot to do in this movie. I think they're probably the funniest part because, like, the two of them played the dumb guys and then the smart guys, like, very comedically later in the movie. But that being said, do you think Fisher Stevens is more embarrassed by this movie or the short circuit movies where he does brown face and plays an Indian man? Probably this movie. I don't think I'm going to answer it. <laughs> I remember, though, on, like, I Love the 80s, they were interviewing him for that. He's like, yeah, yeah, it was a different time. <laughs> so they were, what are their names? Iggy and Spike? Yeah. So that they're named after those Koopling characters. Yes. Yeah. They're the Koopa twins? Is that they're, what they're called? So there's, in no, the they're games, Koopa kids. <clears throat> oh, okay. In, in the games, Bowser had seven children called the Kooplings. And then later, Bowser Jr. was introduced as an unrelated son. It's very strange. Yeah, they then, that like, was, uh, Two of the kids' names were Iggy and Spike, and so I guess that's what those two guys are named. Okay. Two of those seven characters in the game. Wait, so does that mean those guys came out of Dennis Hopper's cock? I like to think so. Well, later though they actually say they're. they're, (laughs) Later they say though in other game, I was a teenage mammal. Weird joke, but I love it. But um, later they say that they're not actually their children, and um later games, even though the instruction manuals and the various shows refer to them as Cooper's ki- Koopa's kids. Um, real quick, I want to point out something I like about the movie. That shot of the Goomba turning around the corner mysteriously. It's like some nice ominous foreshadowing for a threat, which never materializes in a fully executable way in the movie, but I appreciate that one yeah. shot. Um, I do like how they had his hair and his, the background of his lair. He's like the spikes in the walls um, are visually reminiscent of the levels, especially in the first oh, and third one. I never noticed in. that. Yeah. There's a good movie yeah. in here. It's no, very, very well, deep. I'm, I'm just well, I'm thinking that too because when I see the sets and everything, I could see a, an alternative reality where this movie could work. Well, again, like with what you were saying wasp with like the background like those are the blocks from the over the nes mario games but it's again you're hampered by trying to fit all these contradictory mario elements into your dark dystopian sci-fi film that you're making oh and there's fiona shaw who's she playing in this movie no one i don't think she's supposed to be a character oh not from the games i i've never seen anyone describe her as a character from the game i think they just wanted to um, a smarter than these two like henchmen who could you know I know you fell asleep by that point but betray him later on oh okay so yeah. then it's more like a plot thing then yeah she's not a character that originated from any of the games though. okay yeah. well Fiona Shaw plays Aunt Josephine in a series of unfortunate events I she was in a Harry Potter what Well, Jake had a massive stroke, so he will be gone forever now. You sure she wasn't a Nanny McPhee? I know she was in Three Men and a Little Lady. 
the best three men in a movie except for the first one. Did they make three of those? No. They should have made three of them. Just so we can get more Ted dancing. Alright guys, this is fun. <laughs> that was our commentary track for the first one-third of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Be sure to like and subscribe. I just want to say, if you ever want to lie and say you see a celebrity to trick people, say you just saw Ted Danson. That's just believable enough where everyone will fall for it. It's worked for me several times. <laughs> That's great. I like yeah. this little old lady here. I think this is one of the funniest jokes in the movies. I love it. <laughs> Just they keep electrocuting Bob Hoskins. Do you think that's when he actually got electrocuted? <laughs> yeah, he was apparently electrocuted at one point during production. So I'm assuming the answer is yes. Now here comes everyone's favorite Mario villain, Big Bertha. Now if you don't remember a large woman attacking you, that's because she's the giant fish that attacks you in the water levels. How we change from a large fish to her, I'm not sure. Well, it's one of those baffling things, because even in a vision like this, where even it does, it is a little, it does depart, there could have been a cool scene with her, like, on the water or something, maybe she runs, like, a, a marina, and they encounter her on the water, to fit in what's consistent with, like, the noir aesthetic, but they don't even do that, and then coming up with this jarring scene, which, I think this is when I kind of snapped. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I always thought... I love this shot of her just being like, yeah, fine. Yeah, this is how they explain how they can jump really far. So I'm actually, Jake, I'm going to bring it back to John Carter. Okay. I always thought that if you wanted to make a Mario movie and had to explain why you could jump really far, do it like John Carter where he's a plumber from Earth and then comes to the Mushroom Kingdom and gravity is lower or something stupid like that. Mm. You don't even have to explain the science bit because the science does not matter at all. Yeah. Just have it that... In this world, he can jump further. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, do it like John Carter. Yeah. John Carter did it right. Instead, they had to force in these, like, awkward, like, spring rocket boots. Yeah. But again, that's going within, like, in their vision of this uh, of this type of city or something. I, I, again, it's, it's difficult to justify the, all the logic in this entire movie, because... It's an attempt to fit an element that needs to be in there from the original games into this separate vision they have for the movie. And sometimes things like that can fit better, but other times it feels very out of place. So are you saying it was the wrong choice? Yes. And then, <laughs> so we had that really great atmospheric shot of the Goombas, the Goomba in that one shot. And then they just show like two stuntmen in Goomba costumes awkwardly shuffling around throwing Daisy in to the prison. So... Why it's your uh, that was your build up to the Goombas? Well, I read, and it's very weird because obviously Goombas are like the most common enemy you come across in the games. That originally they were only supposed to be background actor or background characters, like what we saw in that opening ominous shot. But they liked the costume so much, but yeah, let's put people in those and have them try and do stunts, even though that's not what these costumes were at all designed to do. So it's very interesting that it's like, yeah, I think. It would be, it's more true to the movie to have them constantly being harassing or a possible threat for the Mario Brothers, but it's better in the for the actual story if they're just like in the background being ominous threats than actively taking part. Oh, and then here's the great scene where they're doing the who's on first with their last names, first names. 
Which actually is a logistical problem when you call them the Mario Brothers. So that would be like the equivalent of, I have a brother named John, and instead of being the Wasp Brothers, we're known as the Andrew Brothers. Well, again, it's like this, they've got this dystopian vision, but then there's like a silly joke about them having the last name Mario in there. Mm. I'm not saying it needed to be like, like a completely serious film or anything like that. It's just you can tell the contradictions in there. Yeah, well, I mean, this really jars within, like, five minutes when, like, they're de-evolving a yeah. character that we've gotten to know, who's very charming. Who, by the way, that's supposed to be Toad, the one yeah. who's like, who sounds like Jay Leno, high-pitched in all the cartoons, telling, you know, your princess is in another castle. You, you know what it is? It's almost like the, the humor here is supposed to be satirical, but then they throw in, like, stupid, silly humor like that, and it jars with the rest of it. I like this clip and this is actually is you're now all aware um, when you clicked on the video this is going to be the thumbnail um, Mario and Luigi with the red dots on their foreheads looking like they're about to be executed by a firing squad <laughs> Bob Hoskins was not sure if he was actually going to be executed by accident <laughs> they accidentally loaded the guns with real bullets and this is where the crew stayed this is where they had to lock Bob Hoskins up in between takes to sober up. <laughs> this was detox. <laughs> John Leguizamo had to go in there with him to run the lines. <laughs> no, Bob. Put the bottle down. Yeah, again, they're like, here, he's explaining the backstory of this universe. When it was explained already earlier in the movie... And that is because that opening scene was added in the last minute. Yeah, and I definitely don't think you needed it. Maybe because I'm an adult, but even as a little kid, I understood what they were explaining here. So it's just a very jarring scene to add it at the beginning. But I guess they felt they needed it. Well, again, it is an interesting idea. I like how they're, like you said, they're not even trying to hide the fact that this isn't a set. I'm expecting a joke from like that one episode of Fresh Prince where like they're going on how rich they are and Will's like what do you mean we're rich? If we're so rich why can't we afford a house with a roof? And then the camera just pans up to the top of the set breaking the fourth wall. Which season was that? I don't know. But they should have done that here with then Dennis Hopper just smacking Mario and Luigi for doing that. It's like I think that scene in The Naked Gun when they're in the um, the PlayStation in like the uh but there's like a scene where Leslie Nielsen like walks around the set or something to get into the next room and they don't even like reference it it just like kind of happens in passing that's a very like Mel Brooksian joke where like yeah like um, they like in the space balls they, they have the lightsaber fight and they accidentally kill a crew member and like Robin Hood men in tights like the camera accidentally breaks the window in the middle of um, the Maid Marian song so it's a Standard joke that's really great that they should have done in this movie to try and improve it at any level. I feel like if it happened here, it probably would have been an accident. <laughs> like it slipped in because Bob Hoskins wasn't sober and walked around the set by accident. Got there, they tasered him. Yeah, this weird running thing about King Koopa being like a germaphobe. I get real Dr. Evil vibes from him here. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, with the voice, I can kind of... A little bit with, like, the, demeanor. the look, too. Like, his, specifically his face in this. Like, very, like, clean-shaven, except for, like, those the hair spike things. He also, in this scene, when he's talking about um, when, like, oh, what'd you evolve from? He's like, Tyrannosaurus, the Lizard King. That, like, always sounded a little, like, Dr. Evil to me, too. Yeah. Now, since we keep seeing um, Bob Hoskins injured, I guess now's best of time to bring it up. According to him in an interview, in addition to having breaking his finger, Bob Hoskins recalled that he was stabbed four times, electrocuted, and nearly drowned. He punctuated the statement by saying, and that's just what happened to me. So here's an interesting thing where if you look closely on the floor in this scene, you can see like a puddle of slime. Hmm. And that's because there is a deleted segment here where they took another guard and de-evolved him and turned him into uh, into slime. And they hmm. cut that out, but you know, he still had the puddle of slime from him on the floor in the rest of the scene, so it's just there. Yeah. Yeah, there are a new number of deleted scenes in here, and um, also going to de-evolve or evolve chamber. Um, at the end of the movie, there was supposed to be a scene showing all the Goombas lining up to come back here to be evolved back into um, their human versions, but they, for some reason, decided to cut that as well. Mm. Unless I'm thinking of the uh, the next de-evolution scene with no, Maggie it's the scene. Spike. It's was the, the scene. scene where they yeah. cut the guy out? Okay. Yeah, because that's how they escape. They like get in the fight. That's when they push. Um, oh, okay. Koopa and they actually made a play set out of this. Like, there was a lot of merchandise for this movie, and this was like a play set scene. Wait, there is. Yeah, there's like RC controlled cop cars, action figures. Like, so it's now my goal to own a bunch of toys from this movie. Yeah, like one of those uh, those Goomba guys there. Yeah. That would be fun. Well, that's the thing, because like, going back to Batman 89, they thought this was going to be huge and merchandise the hell of it. Another movie that made the same mistake was the 1990 Dick Tracy movie, and there's a shit ton of merchandise for that movie as well. Oh, yeah, the kids love Dick Tracy. Uh, it's, yeah, it's back when they, uh, they all wanted to copy the success of Batman. They did it in a very superficial way that didn't quite understand the real appeal of that movie. Yeah. The only yeah. one that did it right was the Phantom with Billy Zane. Yeah. So we briefly just saw you could see. <laughs> Yeah, the Phantom lit the world on fire. Yeah, see there's the goo. Oh yeah, there's the there it is. And when they clamp his hands and you can see goo on the armrest, and when they push him back, you can see they're not just pushing him back, he's slipping on something. So in between those shots they devolve yeah. the guy, you can see the goo on the chair. I guess they thought that might be too dark for them to just kill a henchman. Was this supposed to him? getting slightly de-evolved there was that supposed to pay off in some other way at some point or because it, it's like you see his eye twitch and it i don't know maybe it's just foreshadowing for how he turns into like the dinosaur at the end but i guess because yeah it really it serves no other purpose than to set up um that and i've never heard of any other scene like del- list reading any of the deleted scenes where they mention like that it played into anything um he does have the lizard tongue at one point later on but that could have just been a trait that these people still have, but I guess they didn't want to have Daisy to have that, so maybe that was set up for just that. Bit of a turnoff. Yeah. Were there any behind-the-scenes stories about uh, the guys in the Goomba costumes? Because it looks pretty difficult to navigate. You know, it's interesting. It looks like they're holding the heads up with, like... Like, they, they have the heads on a stick, and they're holding them up over their head. That's what it looks like? That's what it looks okay. like to me whenever I see those guys moving. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, they're clearly some form of puppet because obviously the face, the faces especially you see on Toad, move, but you'll see the other um, Goombas have some facial expression. So I'm assuming, yeah, it had to be like they were puppeteers. So I'd be very interested to see if it's like you ever notice both hands moving at the same time, or is, if this is like Muppets where one hand is able to be used and the other hand is useless. So like when they have like them holding their guns. One hand is like just strapped onto it, and the other one they can control a little bit. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'd be curious myself to find out how it was operated exactly. But it, there's a few shots where the heads move like a little weird, and it looks like it's just like a head on a stick that they've draped this large uniform over. Yeah. Well, you can tell when you watch it that they are like seven plus feet tall, so that would be enough for like a full grown man to be like under and then just like hold a stick slightly above yeah. his head. Oh, this is the DeLorean scene. <laughs> Gotta get 88 miles an hour. I think it was 80 miles an hour. No, 88. So are the you're f- wrong. Are the flamethrowers supposed to be references to fire flowers? I don't know. It sounds like it probably was supposed to be. <laughs> Love that. <coughs> this is kind of funny, actually. Now, since we were talking about a joke with um, Back to the Future of this... Please answer in the comments below if you remember this, but I distinctly remember a Mario-like cartoon where Back to the Future is involved, like in cartoon, like Doc and Marty get like arrested for speeding, and then like I believe it was the Mario Brothers to take the DeLorean. I've never been able to find proof what? of this, so I vaguely remember a cartoon where like Doc and Marty are pulled over for speeding before they get the eighty-eight miles an hour. They're arrested, and then like the main character of the show, which I remember being Mario and Luigi have to then take take the door and go on an adventure and then they give it back. I've never found an episode of the Mario Brothers show or the Back to the Future animated series that matches that. So to the people who are listening, if you know about this and can prove that I'm not crazy, please help me. This sounds like a robot chicken sketch or something. It should be if it's not. But yeah, Jake, by the way, I'm going to get you this RC-controlled cop car from the Super Mario Brothers movie for your birthday. Oh. <laughs> when I say I didn't ask for anything, I, I meant it. But thank you. Do you think it'd still be in the box? Can you get it in the original Super Mario Brothers box? Probably. That goes back to like the Dick Tracy um, toys. That you know, if you ever get any of these, you'll see like numerous like price discount stickers because no one wanted these. So. I'm sure you probably actually could get a bunch of these in, in box because no one ever bought them. <laughs> I like to watch Dick Tracy. I, I still haven't seen it. I actually hear it's pretty good. Yeah. I think Dick Tracy might have been my first Pacino movie. <laughs> I think he was nominated for an Oscar for that movie. I think you're right, actually. Yeah. yeah. I will put that up on the screen if he wants. I think uh, Dennis Hopper was nominated for an Oscar for this movie as well. <laughs> I don't believe that. They said that the, um, that the effects were potentially going to be nominated, like that this was like a subdivision of Disney, that this was like one of their four movies they were going to push for, for um, best special effects in the Oscars. And it this came, movie swept yeah. the 1994 Oscars, yeah. 11 nominations, a record unbroken until Return of the King, if I'm recalling correctly. Well, hey, you know, on the back of the DVD that I have, it does say eye-popping special effects, a quote attributed to 60-second review. So, so so there's a clip somewhere of people at the Oscars and announcing this is one of the nominations. 
Who's? I don't think it was ever officially nominated. No, I thought I it was nominated. I don't. Who's uh? Who's sixty second reviews? I I've never heard of them. Is this like they're they're like desperately digging for like people that really like this movie? Like if you post this online, was and then the producers of this movie listen to it. Or are we going to end up on the box for the next release of Super Mario Brothers? Maybe. It's going to be like a real vision. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then on the front of the box, it just says, it's a blast, the Washington Post. It's not even described to the specific writer. Just, it's a blast. The, the real quote was probably, it's a blast in the past to see such an incompetently made film with such scattershot direction. But, you know, you... you work with what you got I'm also going to assume that it wasn't actually nominated for any Oscars because I feel like they would plaster that all the box the Academy Award nominated Super Mario Brothers that's true it's like Suicide Squad how they got like the one nomination and it was Academy Award nominated Suicide Squad did it win yeah it did it won Best Makeup wow yeah, this was nominated for two Saturn Awards, Best Makeup and Best Costumes. Oh, so no Oscars then. Are you telling me this wasn't nominated for any Oscars? No, it was not. <laughs> They're going to put that on the box. Saturn Award nominated Super Mario Brothers. I'm surprised it wasn't. I'll take what you can get with this. What the hell's going on here? Why is He's he taking there? taking a mud bath because that's He's his gimmick. A, He's cleanliness. That's what I look like. Yeah, but I like this like group of characters. They were just collectively anytime I read about this movie, just known as the Brooklyn Babes, and it's like, oh, that's what we're referring to them. And I think even in the credits, it just says the Brooklyn Babes, like as a block. So it's like that's a nice way to credit these young actresses. You this... They're they're the uh, the women that they were kidnapping, trying to find Daisy, right? Yeah, which includes um, Mario's girlfriend, who was kidnapped five minutes before they actually kidnapped her. So Spike and Iggy were um, pretty busy that night. They immediately take her back. Fuck, it's the wrong one. Okay, take her. Gotta run back now. <laughs> yeah, because she has kind of a weird subplot here. Oh. With her. She said you have your mother's eyes. Very similar to that one film franchise she was in. Oh, yeah. It's a series of unfortunate events. I was going to say three minute old lady. That little girl just looked just like Nancy Travis. Jake, aren't you thinking of Aragon? Oh, um, no. I'm thinking of the Spiderwick Chronicles. What about Dragonheart? That doesn't fucking count. That's not YA. You shit. Yeah, please... We're trying to have a serious conversation here, Andrew. It feels like anyway. A, what was your favorite scene with her in the Golden Compass? Oh, I thought you meant Bridge to Terabithia. Oh my God! Now we're getting now we're getting off track. We're just gonna keep listing young adult novels. Now, it's Bridge to Terabithia. Which one's your? Which version are we talking about? The Zoe Deschanel or the Annette O'Toole one? I've seen both versions. Uh, I always thought it was funny that they tried advertising. The 2007 Bridge to Terabithia as like a big fantasy film when there are almost no in fact no there are no fantasy elements in that whole movie there's a few scenes where he like imagines a fantasy world but the trailers tried to make it look like it was this big fantasy epic when that is not what the, that movie is about 
Well, and I remember actually in middle school, we um, I remember seeing all those ads, and um, for some reason, um, my like our the way our school worked, where our grades were split into two halves. So there was like um, one team and the other team, as they called us. And the one team read Bridge Terabithia, and then they got to watch the original, like, I think, 80s movie. But for some reason, we were allowed to watch it with them. So we didn't read the books. All I know about Bridge Terabithia is, like you said, the trailers with the fantasy elements. Oh, wait, you don't, I, you know, have you, you haven't seen it or read it? Or I have, I had never read it. So all I, it came out, they were reading around the time the 2007 movie came out. So I remember seeing those trailers, and then we watched the 80s movie. I'm like, Wait, am I misremembering the title? Where's all the fantasy elements? I was just so confused that it was this sobering drama about like a boy dealing with the death of his best friend. Basically, it's a great. It's actually a great book. I've read the book. It's really yeah. good. Um, I think the movies are pretty solid too. It's um. It was the moral. The, the moral of the story is never lust after your teacher. Your friend will die. Because <laughs> he does, and then he goes out. To the, the museum with his teacher and his friend dies afterwards. That's that's the real moral of that story. Yeah. No, it's it's a very good book. I'd like to read it. Now, anyways, back to Super Mario Brothers. No, no. We're, we're talking over like the scene that we don't really care about, or it's just them talking. Isn't that the entire movie we don't really care about? That's basically her whole subplot. It's like her being devious in relation to you know Daisy and what she's got going on, and then just. I think they kill her at the end. Jake, she what happens? Us. We'll get there. Well said. On to the next point. It looks. Oh, this by the way, so I think he broke it. That's the maybe the hand he broke. That's why he has it over his, uh, <laughs> his hand. This looks so candidate. It's like they didn't even know they were rolling. They just had to like get a get to lunch or something, and the and the crew just left them to their own devices. John Lucas told me to take his shirt off because it was getting so fucking hot. Do you think um, people who don't believe in evolution really hate this movie because of the evolution they like? So, like, we hate this movie just because it's garbage, but the evangelicals just really fucking hate this movie. I suspect they would hate it if they had ever seen it. But I, my belief is that most of them have not seen it. Okay, there you go. Oh, here we got, uh, we got Yoshi. Yeah, this Yo- they had this series of animatronics, and it cost them half a million dollars to... Make these so. As I said, well, when I learned that, imagine like the good that money could have done if they chose not to make this movie. Like, imagine the budget of this movie could being donated like cancer research or like like a charity like to help like impoverished like villages in Africa. Like, imagine like what good that this money could have done instead. Think about that. No, I think the money here was best used. Maybe a suffering child watched this and it gave him solace. Oh, it could be much worse. Oh. That was beautiful, Dennis. <laughs> Yoshi actually looks uh, looks pretty good, though. As an animatronic. Who, who made it? Um... Off the top of my head, I do not know. Yeah, same. Though I remember reading that um, the crew from Jurassic Park actually came to see it back when they thought they were going to do more animatronics than CGI for that movie. So they did come to um, 
set to see it, and they were pretty impressed by it. So I guess one positive came from this movie, the, that the crew of Jurassic Park, Park, a much better movie, was inspired by this. The crew of Jurassic Park was mildly impressed by the one animatronic in this. They're like, what the fuck was the rest of that movie, though? They're like, oh, you know, I guess that, that looked okay. Yeah, I remember reading in the trivia that um, Dennis Hopper's character might be based off of Donald Trump, and I think exclusively this scene where he's being creepy towards a woman might be the inspiration. <laughs> I think I think you could have made a very good Donald Trump. I know that's not the most complimentary thing to say about a dead man, but <laughs> I mean, you could have pulled it off. I can see the vibe. That's sort of like corrupt, coked out, <laughs> businessman here. Yeah. I think Dennis Hopper could sell that. This is the part when Luigi. Oh yeah, see, so he evolves a little there. I guess that was the only purpose to them devolving him. This is the part when Luigi just sees all this through a through a closet, and Dennis Hopper has to put on oh, the, the breathing apparatus and demands her to call him to say "mommy." Ironically, what actually just happened in the movie might have been worse than what you just suggested. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, still finding that lunch, that craft service. Yeah, that was the uh, <laughs> that was the AD. He's like, I found him. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to escape the set. They said they're going to get the cattle prod. <laughs> <laughs> and then the AD's car wasn't working that day either. I'm just now imagining like them keeping Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo hostage. <laughs> just like, okay, where'd my car keys go? I'm going home. Oh, no, you're not going home tonight, Bob. You're not going home until the movie's finished. <laughs> oh, he still has his shirt off. <laughs> I mean, if you looked like 90s John Leguizamo, you'd probably go out without your shirt on as often as possible. Are you saying 90s John Leguizamo is not a hot piece of thing for you, Jake? He's not your hall pass? What? You know, who you can sleep with, and it's okay. Does no one heard that concept except me? No, I've, I've heard of the concept of a hall pass. Oh. Okay, good. I took that literally. <laughs> That's why I'm so confused. <laughs> Yeah, you don't remember the Ed Helms movie, A Paul Pass? Vaguely. I remember it. I like that. I remember it being a title. Oh, yeah, we just talked over also, like, them saying, oh, the Dimension Portal was opened by construction on your side. They're like, Scapelli. Like, they're very angry, like, this plumber business actively knew they were going to be releasing like demons from like another portal to another world. It's like, no. Yeah, they're shitty people, but they didn't foresee this. I accidentally stumbled upon it. Yeah. Which we're kind of getting like Doom references now being transported to hell. Oh, those were the references you were getting? Yes. What were you talking about, Jake? I'm not comfortable talking during this part of the commentary. I was talking about the first Spider-Man movie. <laughs> that teaser trailer for some reason. So Jake, what are you thinking of this movie right now? Yeah. You know. 
to move. Well, I've seen worse. Well, you've seen this part that we're on right now, so we're still getting to the part that you haven't seen yet. Yes. Okay. Have you changed your feelings from the first time watching this? It didn't really make much of a difference between me falling asleep and then watching the rest of it. Do you think you'll stay awake this time? Um, yeah, it's hopefully not. It's the daytime, so I should. They did a lot of like construction of like sets, and like I'm sure that was a map painting we just passed by when you see like their versions of, like the Statue of Liberty, and Twin Towers, and like Lower Dino Hatton, as they call. It. I don't know if they ever officially say it in the movie, but that's what they call it. But it's like, it does look, goes back to saying, they put a lot of money into making the backgrounds and the sets look very good in this. Oh, yeah. I mean... No, the the art direction is very strong for what it is. Yeah. Whether it's the right art direction is a source of debate, but for what it's trying to do, it certainly has, you know, it's certainly very... uh, Yeah. 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 Now, speaking of direction, though, we... it's certainly very strong. <laughs> we, we should... I kept wanting to say strong, and I was like, oh, there's a better way of putting it. Uh. Now, the very interesting thing, um, we could talk. Don't be yes. I think you might have pointed this out a lot when we first watched it. They're not even, like, burned the right color. Well, that's what I was about to get into, that the entire movie, like, Mario's wearing like a green jacket and Luigi's wearing like a red like like hoodie. So it's like they're wearing the opposite of their colors and now like Luigi's again wearing red and Mario's just confusingly wearing yellow. So it's like, okay, are we doing a little uh, Mario friends now? Like what are we doing with this? Yeah, this is the closest we've ever gotten to a live action Wario, I guess. Yeah. Which incidentally know. this is what we're gonna be for Halloween this year, Mario and Luigi dressed up in those um Outfits in their leisure suits. I, I just like to think this is Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo thinking they escaped from the set and like on a, on a night on the town, but and then like a like a documentary style, they're just filming them and not and they're not aware that they're actually making the movie. They're yeah. like anxiously looking for crew members. Oh god! It's just like that scene from fourteen oh eight when um, John Cusack thinks he's escaped. He goes to his like the post office and just starts seeing employees, and they just start tearing down the walls of the post office around to reveal he's still in the hotel room. I yeah. imagine that like we've made it out, John. Tears down, still in the set. Yeah, it's like uh, the prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> no woman can resist the charm of Mario. Bob Hoskins is Mario. Your ram game, your can of Spain. I like how she's actually laughing. Like that wasn't supposed to happen. She just broke down laughing at the idea that she just punched Bob Hoskins. Well, yeah, she actually punched Bob Hoskins. <laughs> she actually broke his nose. That's why it went over seventeen well, weeks because they had to wait for his bones to heal. Well, I believe uh, this is where he met his future wife, Dennis Hopper. No, no, this—he married this woman, Bob Hoskins. Oh. Dennis Hopper actually they... did meet his wife on this set. No, that, Lance that was Lance Hendricks. Oh, Lance Hendricks. Yeah. No, but he's even stranger because he's in one shot of the movie. <laughs> it makes me think Lance Hendrickson must be like a real player, maybe or something. Like, I mean, you know, he, he's Pumpkinhead. What? He just like hit on like the like script supervisor, or, like some PA who was just like off the side as they're setting up. Because <laughs> yeah, no one else is in the shot with him either. <laughs> 
I, you ever think it's like I mean I don't know maybe I'm just in the cranky old close-minded man but it's a little weird that like these are like lizards and like Mario and Luigi are just making advancements towards them like they have like do they have lizard anatomy or something like that I don't know Oh, that'll make um. Open my mind. That'll make the eventual love scene between Mar or Luigi and Daisy very interesting. Like, if they have a child, <laughs> is it going to end up like in an egg or something? Like, how's that going to work? I don't know. Well, it's like I wonder. Like, do you think Daisy? Like, okay, fine. She has like lizard anatomy and stuff, human anatomy. Do you think like sex ed was just very confusing for her? It's like, oh yeah, here's you know, when, as you're growing up, you know, you'll get your period. Um, what does it mean when I lay a full egg every month? Oh, you mean your period? No, I lay a full, like, a giant, like, two-foot diameter egg. What does that mean? Why is that not mentioned in here? <laughs> Though she was raised by Catholic nuns, so maybe they didn't give her sex at at all. That's it. <laughs> yep, okay, now Leguizamo and Hoskins are st- still think they're in an actual club. They're like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> they had... Well, they do say that this movie had, like, some of the most, like, most amounts of ADR that, like, the studio oh, had God. <laughs> so Hoskins had to go back to the studio many months later when he thought he had this behind him. Bob Hoskins and relive strangled by the microphone Because <laughs> he was just slurring his speech. By the way, I like the fact that the, uh, they're using the song Walk the Dinosaur over this scene. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, this is also in um, Theodore Rex. Oh, God. No, I'm joking. I don't fucking know. I'm sure it probably is, though. That seems very... Did George Clinton do music in this? I know Alan Silvestri did the or um, the yeah, song. No, no, like yeah. like actual song by George Clinton. Oh, I I don't know. Oh, I just saw that one woman with a leather lizard tail. Yeah, the, it's very weird how they do like different levels of people being involved. Like at the very beginning, when they're showing the establishing shots, you see like a woman with like. She almost looks like a seven of nine from like um, Star Trek, you mm-hmm. know, like with like makeup on her face and then pushing a baby character with an egg in it, and then everyone else looks normal. And then yeah, there's one person with a tail. They're very inconsistent with how evolved people are. Uh-huh. I can appreciate the differentiation in the art style of the characters, though. It, but that's you know, it's, it's like not some variety. It's not enough though. It's like one or two extras at a time versus it should have been like a larger. Po- Pop portion of the population, maybe like the, that would be the, the equivalent of like races in our world. Like you break down, like yo, blank percent white, blank percent African American, yada yada yada. That yeah, blank percent completely just like regular people with no makeup. Blank percent would have then been partially dinosaurs with tails and makeup like that versus one or two sprinkled in. I get you. Lizard Lounge. Yeah, that's got to be like a fire flower thing with the, the rockets or whatever, the flamethrowers. Yeah. Because it isn't even just shooting out a stream of fire. It is shooting out like almost like a ball. It looks fire. like actual fire. I'm going to jump over. All right, Bob, you ready? What? All right, we're lighting the blowtorch. What? Uh, so he's in like what? He's like in a polyester suit. So like if that caught fire, it would just burn immediately up. Bob Hoskins gotten burns over ninety five percent of his body. Oh. 
This is kind of this is a cool design. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a a nest. I do have to say it's very weird though because obviously they left his throne in here. Um, they've left the king's throne in here. That this is where he like his he would sit if he wasn't devolved. So it's like what the fucking king just sat in a stark white room with like a couple computer monitors. Like what fucking kind of court is this? Why is he talking to the asshole? That's the head. That kind of looked a little like a skull to me just there. Like I like you see like a little bit of the teeth. I don't know if that was intentional or I'm reading too much into this. That's possible. I, I think that's possible. Oh no. Are they in there? Ah! Yeah. <laughs> and that was real garbage. So, like, they're laying on hypodermic needles. <laughs> <laughs> they dumped him in the back of this garbage truck. <laughs> he doesn't look, doesn't look dirty enough. That's, uh, that's another story about the extra who one of the directors thought didn't look dirty enough. And they went over with their coffee and just <laughs> sprayed it on him and accidentally like burned the extra like, make him look dirtier like, here, put, pour some scalding hot around. coffee oh by the way I hope you laughed at that joke about him ordering a pizza because that becomes a running joke for some reason for the rest of the movie let's, let's talk about the directors here um, Rocky Morton and Annabelle Janko yeah who, uh, Never directed anything else after this, except Annabelle Jankel directed something uh, like a year ago, yeah, two yeah. years ago. Yeah, directed a movie, and it was her first one since Super Mario Brothers. I think that was like a lesbian romance or something like that. It was, um, but they created Max Headroom. Yeah, and you know, when I think of Max Headroom, I think of Super Mario Brothers and the Mushroom Kingdom. That's actually one of my favorite quotes from behind the scenes when the producer was looking for directors and everything was falling through. I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like, you know, I was going through all these things and all these directors, but, but then I thought about Max Headroom. As if like that... <laughs> that's, like, that's the answer. That was the, that, was, that was the light bulb going off. It's very like, sort of... God, I guess I want to say like visionless Hollywood producer thing. Like... When you hear these stories about, like, John Peters demanding that there's, like, a giant spider in Superman, and there needs to be, like, you need to have Sean Penn play Superman as some kind of killer or whatever, like, it's, like, a very visionless sort of thing where it's just, like, what immediately appeals to me, because I don't know anything about this property or have very little vested interest in it. Well, let's give him the benefit of the doubt for a second. Maybe it wasn't that, and maybe maybe he was thinking it in, in certain terms. But were those, again, it's, like, why did they think in those terms and what made them think that that was the right approach for something like Mario where he was like what made Max Headroom click for him oh I I, I personally don't know I, I, I don't know I don't know much about Max Headroom so yeah well it's interesting like I think these directors clearly have a vision um, I mean maybe they were maybe they were crazy on the set or whatever but like there's creativity here and they certainly are trying to do something but again it's sort of the how do you get from A to B here? Like, what makes you think, yes, what what caused an entire studio to be like, this is what we need to do for Super Mario Brothers? Because they'd never been done before, I guess. You know, they never made a Maybe, video game yeah. movie, so it's just like, let's try something. You know, Max Headroom was a big hit with kids. Mario was a big hit with kids. Now, also, we did just talk over um, them getting their iconic uniforms, which one... They're like, how are we going to get around the building unnoticed? And then they grab uniforms that you never see literally any other character wear anything even remotely similar to. So blending in, crossed out. 
And then two, I love the fact you know they give Bob Hoskins you know as Mario like the old like newsy hat like you know, you see Mario wearing, but they decide let's give Luigi a baseball cap. And on the cover and parts of the movie, he actually is wearing the hat. Right now, he is wearing the hat backwards. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's a very funny joke. Now I think it would have been better if they gave him the newsy boy hat, but he wore the hat backwards. It's, but yeah, you know, it's interesting, and this shows you how much I've thought too much about this. The clo- like the colors on their costumes are reversed. Normally Mario wears like a red shirt with like blue overalls, but here it's like it's like one big uniform, and it's like the red is where like the blue overalls would be, and the blue is where the red would be, which is actually similar to his original appearance in the original Donkey Kong, yeah. in the uh, the arcade game. I don't think they knew any of this or thought of any of this when they were designing it. I'm not even criticizing it. I actually think it's like a pretty decent costume. It's just kind of interesting to observe. Well, I think it just falls in line with, it goes with the fashion of the, at this point, very early 90s. Like this seems like you sometimes will watch stuff made in the 80s when people were wearing like track suits and all that, that, you know, where it's like the one piece, but it's, you know, different colors breaking up. So I think that might have been what they were going with. They're like, okay, well, what would the Mario colors look like in this? And you know, I think they chose to have the red there in the middle because, as we see, that's, like, the biggest part of the costume. So, with this pattern, he would be mostly blue with that red arms. So, I think, you know, this was the best choice with that pattern. Now, yeah, they could have done the pattern in a different way to make it truer to the game. But I think it is a, overall, like you said, it's a good design. I yeah. think they wanted to make it a little more different. And, you know, who knows, maybe if, going back to my joke earlier, like, could you imagine if they made a game version of the movie to make the game look a little bit different than the traditional Mario games that it would be its own separate like you have you know if this movie turned out really good you could have had two parallel Mario games you have the original Mario games and then the games based off of the Mario movies which again I really want I no I don't dislike the costume I don't think it needs to be like completely similar or identical to the game I just think it's uh, interesting to observe yeah. I think this is the part when I fell asleep because I don't remember any of this. Yeah. This whole subplot, it's... I think the reason why it's easy to get checked out of here is because it feels very disconnected from the rest of the film up until, like, maybe the end. Yeah, pretty much. All this stuff with Fiona Shaw. She's just getting pulled away at her death. Wait, does he eat her? No. Could you imagine, though, if you hear, like, the sound effect of Yoshi? Oh, yeah, she stabs Yoshi. <laughs> Yoshi gets stabbed, Jesus though. Christ, <laughs> after trying to eat her. But could you imagine you never see her again, also, you just hear, like, the gulping sound that Yoshi makes in the game, and she's just gone. And, like, you see, like, they, they... Daisy looking horror, <laughs> fucking horrified, and then, like, Yoshi looks up and smiles, and she still runs away. The whole, bop. Yeah. That sound. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I actually, I mean, again, it's like this scene is like silly, but I appreciate what they're trying to do here. Well, because they're de-evolved, so they're stupid, so it does kind of make sense that they would be able to be easily tricked like this. Again, it's like I think at its best, this movie almost has like a satirical sense of humor, where it's supposed to be this like very silly version of like a sci-fi dystopia, where it's very irreverent everything. And it's when they try and incorporate the cartoonish Mario elements that it, that's when the humor sort yeah. of falls flat because that doesn't mix with the the edgy satire, urban satire thing that they're doing with this. 
yeah, it's it's just a disaster. Um, there, there, there could be a good movie here. Yeah, they set oh, Toad on fire. Oh my god! Uh, I feel so bad for him in this scene. Do you really, mean the character or the stunt? I feel. Man? Like I was about to say. I feel bad for the stunt man. Yeah. You think the director was the one who did it? That was actually Bob Hoskins in the costume. Like, hey, Bob, we want you to have a cameo in the rest of the movie. No, that's Leguizamo and Hoskins trying to escape the set again underneath the, the, the Goomba, which wasn't the smartest plan because it's part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they walked into filming at the scene again. I just want a, fiction, a movie, like a fictionalized version of the making of this movie now, like a Netflix like series just about them trying to escape. They need to make a documentary about it, like how they did with that Island of Dr. Moreau movie. Oh, God, yeah. Now, I always wondered, because this part of the movie is very confusing, because, you know, now, as you've seen, they've been evolved into being smart. They were still trying to capture the Mario Brothers, immediately turn, though, and they um, say as they're walking in, you're like, we've been, we were your father's most loyal, like, subjects or, like, advisors. So I guess the implication could be that Dennis Hopper then devolved them so they would still be humans, but be dumb enough for him to boss around. But then Koopa was dumb enough himself to be like, Oh, I'll take his most lieutenant, met, um, you know, loyal lieutenants, and make them smart, and just hope they're still going to be my bumbling servants. Again, uh, not much thought was put into this movie, or they're lying. They're smart enough to know, like, hey, when she comes back into power, if she wins, we're going to be executed for being traitors to her father. Let's hope she thinks we're telling the truth. Was I think I'm getting a headache just trying to think about this? Like what? Like. like... Yes, that is a strange choice to make in the writing of this film. Also, the first time I saw this movie, weirdly enough, they showed it on the Disney Channel. Very weird movie to show on the Disney Channel. But in this second, like, they show that, and I'm like, you can see the wire. I'm like, oh, wow, they're really shitty at hiding it. Like, oh, actually, no, it's a plot point that he's on a hook. I assume their incompetence was so good, they fucked up that badly. I'm alive. Oh, poor Bob Hoskins. <laughs> Don't let go of me. No, he wants to die. He's saying, please let go. Let it end. Let me go, Luigi. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know they were fans of Devo. Uh, oh, I'm sorry they didn't have him in the movie then. Maybe they couldn't afford him. <laughs> And, you know, they spent all their money having to extend the shoot twenty weeks or whatever. Let's say if you read half the like the trivia on IMDb, just is like constant cameos and different actors they want. Like they wanted Tom Hanks, I think, as like Luigi, which I could not imagine that as <laughs> at all. I thought they considered him for Mario. Okay, maybe I'm misread, um, but like they, they wanted like Bruce Willis as they're climbing through the air ducts, like to run into Bruce Willis climbing through the air ducts is like a reference to Die Hard. You and, know what's weird? That joke. Was in the Lego Movie too. What they run across John McClane? Yeah, that that's a joke in the Lego Movie too. So, if I was Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jankel, and I guess Ed Solomon, I would be very angry with the creators of the Lego Movie too, which clearly <laughs> stole their cut joke. What was the budget to this movie? 
Probably a lot. I mean, Dennis Hopper and you know John, uh, and Bob Hoskins, you know, they're I guess the height of their careers, but that couldn't have been cheap to keep them. I don't know if Dennis Hopper was at the height of his career at this. I mean, point. he had done. I think he, was, he was on the after this. He started getting better, but I don't think he was at his height. But I think Bob Hoskins actually was. Still, you know, he had been an easy rider, the Twilight Zone, a bunch of other shit. So it's not like he would. Yeah, John Leguizamo was a unknown actor at the time. Like he had been in a couple things, but like you know, yeah. this is you know before Romeo plus Juliet, I believe. Before you know, he actually started becoming you know good actor. He, uh, well, I don't think he does bad in this. I just well, I mean, don't think like it's a very good. good movie. I should say, yeah, actor like good movies. He's um. This was his first starring role, if I recall. Was he doing stand-up comedy or something? That's where they discovered him? I believe so. That sounds about right. Yeah. Well, a few years after this, he was in a movie called The Pest, which he was the star of, and that is like a truly garbage movie, but it's like, it's a very comedy movie that relied on like allowing him to go off the wall, and it seems like there was no like discipline on the set to be like, no, we're not going to do this mm-hmm. now, or we shouldn't do this. Huh. He was also the best part of and by that I mean the only good part of Spawn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's pretty unanimous that opinion. I yeah. I feel like yeah, he's he, he does a great he, job in that movie. Well, I like it because he had to play like a like he was playing like yeah the clown, but like he had to be small, so he's like walking around on his knees. And he did that a few years later again in Moulin Rouge. So like two movies he's in are from around in and around the same era. He had to be walking on his knees for the entire fucking time, practically. So That's crazy. In Moulin Rouge, though, you can tell he's on his knees. Yeah. It doesn't look very good. Yeah. Or unless that was the intent. Who knows? Baz Luhrmann is crazy. I don't think that was the intent. I just think it was a really shitty death. <laughs> uh, yeah. One thing Spawn has over Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> well, or cinema in general, I guess. <laughs> next week when we do our Moulin Rouge review, we'll talk more about that. You ready for that? Well, day? I'll be out of town when that happens. I'll just come by to your apartment. It's empty. I'll have moved out. <laughs> All right, so what's going on? Well, the, oh, yeah, the, the king fungus, is fungus. Yeah, the fungus that's been helping him throughout the movie were all extensions of the king that was de-evolved. Okay. Instead of Koopa killing his enemy, he allowed him to be de-evolved. And he even acknowledged in the previous scene with him, he's like, you can continue choking the city you want. So he like, he's aware that like he's still like sentient enough to keep fucking him over and ruin the city. That's like, you, you should have had just had the, the, the Goombas come with the flamethrowers and just incinerate Lance Hendrickson. Oh, I thought, I thought what was going to happen was because they just introduced... She just introduced Luigi to her father, the slime monster, and he was like... <laughs> I don't know if I approve. Isn't he a monkey and aren't you a lizard? Just turns into Romeo Juliet. I don't understand how that works biologically. (laughs) But I am curious, though, if they had made more of these or if this had been good, like what other other characters would have been like through this interpretation? Well, apparently, I mean, we can talk a little bit more about it at the end, but there's a comic book sequel to this. Yeah. I don't know about that. Um, I haven't read it, but... But yeah, we well, can talk about that at the end because it relates to the ending. Well, it's fun to think about. Like, well, how how would they have done Donkey Kong or someone like that? Would he have just been a an, a monkey? I, yeah, I don't know. Or like yeah. Wart, who I think might actually be the villain in the comic book sequel. Who was the big? He was in the yeah, Super King. Mario Land with. Um, he was in Super Mario Brothers too. 
Oh, um, and I wasn't either. I he was the villain. Wasn't he the villain on land? Because nah, he was the the villain in Super Mario Brothers Two, which very interesting history behind Super Mario Brothers Two. If anyone ever looks into it, um, and it's, actually this kind of relates to what I was saying with Shigeru Miyamoto, where the original Super Mario Brothers Two was basically just Super Mario Brothers One again, but done in a very uh, basically just made it harder. And they thought it was too hard for American audiences. And so they took a completely different game called Doki Doki Panic. They replaced the main character with Mario, basically. Like, there's four playable characters, and they replaced them with Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, and Toad. And then released that as Super Mario Bros. 2. And Shigeru Miyamoto uh, actually likes that version better than the one they actually made in Japan. Because he thinks the the Japanese game doesn't do enough to... Um, differentiate? Yeah, to differentiate. And when well, a few years later, they actually did release on the SNES just called Super Mario The Lost Levels. Yeah, I've, I've never game. played it. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's interesting. It's also interesting because a lot of Mario lore was accidentally introduced because of that, where a bunch of characters from that game went on to become Mario characters... Yeah. Just like by accident, because they appeared in that. Like Babam was from Doki Doki Panic. Yeah, and the shy guys. And the shy guys, but because Super Mario Brothers Two was Doki Doki Panic, those are now Mario characters, and they're now better known as Mario characters than anything from like Doki Doki Panic. Well, yeah, and that was also like the one that established Luigi is taller than Mario can jump higher, um, because like in the original Mario Brothers games, it's just literally the same game sprite for both of them, just but like a color swap on him. There's yeah, no difference. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That's interesting, and it kind of makes me think of the. Uh, <laughs> I was saying, it kind of makes me think of um, his thoughts on the movie. He he doesn't hold it like a sacred cow, like what these games have to be. At least in these particular cases, he didn't. He was willing to let them grow into something else. I can't speak for any of the other games, though. Oh, here's another scene that almost killed Bob Hoskin. <laughs> His stuntman, technically. I think it was... Wasn't it actually him? No, it was the actresses, but it was like... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's clearly him, but... Um, the, the part of the scene that almost killed him is when they fly out on the mattress at the end when they're flying over the city... That part was the actresses and Bob Hoskins stunt up from how I understand, and like the wire got loose and they almost crashed like from a twenty five foot height. Oh god! <laughs> it's yeah because they thought it wasn't going fast enough, so they like changed something and it accidentally just sped out of control. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, going back to the what we were saying um, about like I wonder how you could have done sequels with this. I'm wondering if. Um, they oh were... no, that poor stuntman. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting like anxious just watching this. I'm like, oh god, don't hurt any of these people. <laughs> it's not worth it. Uh, but I wonder if they would have just kept finding like different parallel dimensions. So, like that would have been the thing. Maybe that's when they find the other, um, like a parallel um, mushroom kingdom, and that's where they get instead of Cooper, you get Bowser. Instead of Daisy, you get Princess Peach. So that would have been something. And then, you know, maybe they go into an alternate one. Because, you know, at this point, you're starting to get into the SNES era where you could have gone Donkey Kong Country. And maybe that's where they got the Donkey Kong influence. Well, this piping scene, is this a reference to the game? Uh, it where has he to goes, be. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Is, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, gee. 
holy shit. Yeah, it was this part. Like, that's not Bob Hoskins. Like, they, but they almost all tumbled <laughs> off. Oh, of God. It. So I guess, like, they crashed into, like, this wall, like, flipped over. So they got a few bumps and bruises, but they were fine. Yeah, you can see the stuntman there just covering his head. So like, can't hold on to the big head or whatever anymore. No. Oh, pizza joke again. Yeah, I don't know what they're going for with the pizza joke. Yeah. And again, I just don't get the whole, like, him being, like, a germaphobe. Like, he's holding the you know, walkie-talkie with, like, a tissue again. It's, like, it's a very weird thing. That's maybe, like, a quirk or something. Or could it just be Dennis... A stipulation by Dennis Hopper or something. Yeah, I wanted to be a germaphobe. Reminds me of like uh, almost like a Nicolas Cage quirk when he added like uh, Johnny Blaze drinking the jelly beans or something. Uh, oh, Just like yeah. something to try and add a little extra dimension to the character. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I just don't understand a how, lot with the character here. I guess how it relates to the character of Bowser. Yes. Jeez. I kind of like this, but they should have, maybe they should have gone a little bit more of this, that this is vaguely, it seems to me at least, a reference from the flying clown um, balloon, or whatever you want to call it, from helicopter thing that um, Bowser is in at the end of Super Mario World and is now seen in a lot of games, um, you know, where it's like a clown face, like flying thing that he's floating in. Oh, I, I always, remember that, the yeah, car, yeah. Yeah, I always assumed that was this, and it should have been like Happy Clown Construction Company and had it painted on. Or like, or if not completely on, like maybe like they could have had like you see like someone spray painted a smiley face on it, like and that be their vague reference to That's it. That's how they vaguely fit that thing from the game into this completely different vision for the character. Yeah. Good thing she's standing right there. So what's the significance of this necklace? Well, as they explain, it's the only piece of the. Um, oh my god. <laughs> It's the only piece of the um, meteor that somehow broke when it smashed into Earth, and if you put them together, it'll merge the worlds. Okay. Now, when he says, why don't you just go through the portal, they just say, oh, that wasn't opened up till recently. Doesn't explain why they don't go through now. All right. You know, well, why- yeah, it's, it's very vague. I never understood that myself, but I think the explanation they try and give is that you know, you can go through the portal, like, one at a time, but if you combine the meteorites, then the worlds will literally combine into one world. Yeah, but, like, what Cooper purpose just, is that? Yeah, it's, like, you know... It makes no sense, because, like, what purpose does it serve to have the worlds merge? Because they fucking hate it here. That's what they're saying. You know, we're leaving. We're merging the worlds. Like, it's clear they want to be on Earth, so it's like, yeah, why don't they all just go over? But, I don't know. It's stupid. It may be another rewrite, or competent directors could have made it explain why they need to merge it like that just death for the sake of death <laughs> but this <laughs> is when Bob Hoskins almost died because he almost got ran over you're not breaking my leg like John <laughs> you got leg was you're not gonna get me <laughs> this is when he tries to jump to, off the set to his death like he'd rather die than be taken alive <laughs> it's like the fugitive uh, and this is where Fiona Shaw's thing finally pays off. I don't know if we could count it as paying off, but sure, why not? <laughs> pay off with air quotes. Yeah. I like how they say, go to the other side, warn everyone. She just kind of mm-hmm. does what Dennis Hopper is already going to do. Yeah. 
Uh, we are getting one of my favorite lines in the movie in just a moment. Dennis Hopper's gravelly, serious intonation. Ba-bomb. There's a ba-bomb on the bus. <laughs> also, he's perfectly describing this movie right now. Oh, snap. If I could have any prop from a movie, it would be this. No, it wouldn't be. The, the tiny little ba-bomb. I really just read these subtitles in Dr. Evil's voice. Yeah. Messed up again, mammal. <laughs> also, I'm having flashbacks to, um, I almost said Jurassic Park, to Jumanji, like when Rob Williams drops the dice and like it falls through like the wreckage of the house and then it ends on like the dice throw he needs. <laughs> but that was actually great. <laughs> I take it, basically what you're saying is Jumanji ripped all this off. Yes. I'll get ready for it, Jake. We're also going to have to ask at the end what Jake thinks of the final part of the movie now. Oh, yeah. We, we're on the part officially that you haven't seen. Right? Oh, no. I was asleep. Dur- Whoa. <laughs> I was asleep during this whole thing. Yikes, indeed. You know, Luigi makes a quip as a woman got incinerated in and front she's, of them. She's clearly not comfortable with the joke. <laughs> I don't think we should have a second date, Luigi. He's very helpful right now, but I don't know how I feel about him morally. Also remember, at this point, they've known each other for literally just 24 hours, because it's daylight again, and I don't think multiple days have taken place here. Wait, wait, literally 24 hours is an actual time? I believe so. They never give any implication that they've been away from the like, New York for over a day. Now, like when they're about to merge over, it's broad daylight again, so they met broad daylight the day they go on their date, so they've known each other for 24 hours. So it's been a hell of a 24 hours. Oh, okay, so they've met, known each other for 24 hours, not literally 24 hours. Yeah. Okay, thank you, that's much more clear. That makes more sense. Yeah. Huh. Mr. Bowser, I don't feel so good. <laughs> yeah, Jake, this movie ends with Mario dying. <laughs> It's very bold. They were setting up for Mario mm-hmm. Endgame. Got that Ellen Silvestri music. <laughs> oh, God. Could you imagine if Luigi gets vaporized in this, too? This cuts to credits directed by Rocky Morton and Animal Jankel. You're right, the acting in the scene is pretty bad, Jake. That is laugh-worthy. Jake is out now. Jake, you're missing the, the what are they called? The, the Stellarity Brothers? The, yeah, the Stellarity Brothers. No, that was Oh my god. Yeah, I like the de-evolve gun is literally just an NES super scope that they painted over. Actually, that is kind of... Yeah, Scapelli, yeah. Scapelli, yeah, uh, that's it. Just because everyone's I'm... laughing. Like, you just saw a man be de-evolved. You're all handling this for... I guess New Yorkers are pretty jaded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I like how the worlds merge. You have, um, I think, two buildings merged over, and then, like, a half a dozen um, people, and then that's their version of merging over. 
God, I gotta go through the whole thing again. <laughs> and then everyone's like, what the fuck just happened? Oh, and by the way, to answer your question, no, they don't fix him. He stays a monkey in the rest of this. Oh, okay. Yes, that's the payoff. Maybe that's the setup in the next one that the monkey's pissed off and he becomes Donkey Kong. Oh, snap. <laughs> they well, I you was going to ask, it. actually. Thanks, Toad. He's like, can you evolve me back so I'm a human again? Nope. Yeah, they never do, do they? Yeah, that was a deleted scene. Oh, there was one? Yeah, like it, like when they show everyone dancing in a minute, um, when they like kill Koopa, you see everyone dancing, and there was supposed to be a shot of like everyone, like like all the Koopas going towards the evo- evolution chamber, but for some reason they decided to cut it out. Okay, for some reason I didn't realize that. I mean, it makes sense, like, that it should have been in the movie. Though I read, apparently, like, from the initial Italian um, cut, like, they cut the last, like, five minutes out of the movie, so it just ended with, um, the Goombas dancing, like, from the way that, like, I know the time on the movie, I guess that implies Koopa doesn't even get defeated, it just shows them dancing again, and then that's how it ended in Italy. See, I felt like the third act happened, like, a half hour ago, it felt very much like going into the third act type thing. And we're only, like, an hour and 30 minutes in the movie. Oh. <laughs> We should have been eighty minutes. Been like the so here's here's a weird thing where, for the most part, I think the effects in this movie are actually very good. Until now, <laughs> yeah. not this. It's when he emerges from the, the yeah. bucket. Oh, by the way, great product placement with the, you'll see Reebok on the bottom of the Babam's feet. Oh god! So uh, Reebok exists in this world too. Well, Walk the Dinosaur exists in this world. Like, what the hell are we implying that like '80s musicians were transferring over and all that? Well, it's like uh, in, it's in the first part here. Yeah. In the first Batman part, so. movie, uh, Batman wore Nike uh, boots. Oh wow! Yep. Uh-huh. Get ready for the hand puppet. Yeah, it's like a very obvious hand puppet. The effects on the Back to the Future ride when they go in the past and they have, like, the T-Rex looks better than this. It does. It's shocking. And then, like, here, after it, like, changes from the hand puppet and they start de-evolving him, it looks better again. But, like, like here it's, like, okay. Yeah. Um, it's when he's, like, the hand puppet. It's shocking how bad it looks. Yeah. Yeah, like, this is okay. Like, why didn't it look like that the entire time? <laughs> For the other five seconds? Oh, no, it's it, looks like, it looks like the abyss. Okay. You mentioned a good movie. I mentioned a very mediocre movie. <laughs> That's these commentaries in a nutshell. I haven't seen Flubber in years. That'll be the next commentary. It's on Disney Plus. Oh wow. That's an old favorite of mine. Yeah. I saw that in the theaters. I had a bunch of merchandise in that movie. I think I was the only person that had it. Remember the McDonald's toys? Vaguely, I had like one or two. I think. Wait, Andrew, who is who is in that movie again? Robin Williams, um, Christopher McDonald. I'm sorry, if you say the the main, what was he? What what was the main star's name? Robin Williams. Robin Williams. That name sounds familiar. Was he in anything else? Yeah, he was in um, Patch Adams. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that movie, but that's the one. Okay. Okay. So apparently, the Italian cut ended here with everyone dancing. It literally just cut to credits here, like after like this shot of them dancing. Apparently, so they cut to credits. 
Yeah, so just imagine credits cut right there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you never even got to see Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Where is he? Right here. Oh. Yep, and that's where he met his wife. Apparently that was his idea to be coughing shit up, and that was like a mouthful of like Rice Krispies. And Bob Hoskins was like, don't give them any ideas. <laughs> They're going to poison the Rice Krispies. <laughs> solid she needs her like rock thing from Atlantis the Lost Empire remember that movie there's Fiona Shaw still there (laughs) she's etched in the wall now I thought Atlantis the Lost Empire was pretty good but it's been years since I've seen it I've never seen it yeah it's It's, been so long Um, but yeah if you remember that that's like the thing they have like the rock like around their neck and it's very similar to this (laughs) So I guess they also ripped off Super Mario Brothers the movie. Yeah. You know, it's like the magical MacGuffin. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we should start talking about, um, if you want to talk about the comic book sequel to wrap it up. Oh, I was going to wait till the last scene for that when it ties in. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll wait. We need to talk about yeah, he's something. Yeah. Talking he's, about this romance. Yeah, he's so sad to leave the woman he met literally 24 hours ago that he's only spent maybe five hours with total. Hmm. See, Bob Hoskins does not approve of that relationship either. Look at that face. He's like, he's mine. I'm his father, his brother, his uncle, his mother, and his lover. Luigi, you're getting with a lizard. <laughs> Bye, Yoshi. Bob Hoskins has to go now. <laughs> I just like Fiona Shaw there. Yeah. She's kind of casually on the side. Bob Hoskins is like, don't hold this scene up any longer. <laughs> oh, he's still not fixed. Alright, so now we're doing the end tag, I guess. And now the world has completely changed. <laughs> the world has changed. And Mario was still just some guy living in this apartment in Brooklyn. Yeah. Remember, they're Italian. They're making pasta. <laughs> That's the only part about their origins. They're on the miraculous world. Yeah. This isn't like CNN. Yeah. Like <laughs> world news level. A lizard monsters beamed in from another dimension and tried to destroy us all. They keep saying glug, 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 glug. Like, I think, is that the going down the pipe sound effect? Oh, yeah. And here was the sequel setup. Yeah, so this was actually not meant to set anything up, apparently. It was supposed to just be, like, a reference. It was not a reference, but it was supposed to be, like, Back to the Future, where it's just sort of like an adventure. The adventure continues was the whole point of it. Uh, Um, Even though by this point, both sequels to Back to the Future had come out. (laughs) Yeah, well, like, when the original Back to the Future came out, it wasn't meant to be, like, an actual cliffhanger. It was just like, oh, the adventure will continue. And that's what the point was here. But then they ended up making, like, there was actually a comic book sequel to this that was made with collaboration from one of the original writers. And I haven't read it. I heard it goes into Warp from Super Mario Bros. 2 as the villain. But, um... Hmm. Interesting. 
So, Jake, what do you think of the ending of the movie now that you've actually seen it? Well, it was I'll every- be on mute. Well, it was everything I expected it to be. Yeah. Uh, how we say Japanese Businessman 1 and 2, which hasn't come up yet. Oh, Dan Castellaneta was the narrator. That was Dan, yeah. Who? Dan, Dan Castellaneta. The voice Simpson. Oh. Hmm. Didn't know. But it said Japanese Businessman 1 and 2, which is very confusing at this point in the movie because you haven't seen them yet. You know, it's like, that's like... Oh, how, Jacob, look. Oh, my God. Luis D'Esposito. Wow. Wow. Just think... No matter what you do, there's a chance your career may not actually be destroyed. I think maybe his career kind of he kind of got out of this one the best, I would say. Yeah, yeah. really. So, well, there you go. After uh, Man. But yeah, Japanese Businessman 1 and 2 refers to like a mid-credit scene that's about to like come up where these Japanese businessmen are offering to unseen characters saying, we want to make a video game based on your adventures and then the camera just pans over and it's Spike and Iggy instead of the Mario Brothers and then that was the final joke they wanted to go out on. Hmm. This is strange because it's actually not funny in any capacity. No, it's not. <laughs> so, alright, well, I guess we thank you for joining us on this adventure. Um, we will have a much better movie next time, but hey, here's a taste in the future we might be doing really shitty movies. Well, I mean, this is interesting to dissect, though. Yeah, no, it's like I we'll find like something watching, interesting from every movie we watch, regardless. Watching it, your mileage may vary, yeah. but dissecting it is fascinating because it's all different levels of baffling um, in both its good ideas and its bad. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you, and have a good night. Good night. Now you would